glad. I'll use my preacher's voice for just a minute. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Won't you stand to your feet and bless the name of the Lord? Hallelujah. God is great and he is greatly to be praised. I don't know about you, but he's done great things for me and we bless his name for this is the day that the Lord has made. We're rejoicing and glad about it. To each of you, my father's children, we welcome you into this house of prayer, into this service. And for those of you who are watching online, we certainly welcome you as well. We want you to share this with your neighbor and your friends. Let them know that you are worshiping with K Chapel here right now live and you want them to watch and worship the Lord God with you. We're in the midst of a great time and you know I'm, I'm, I'm calling an audible. I'm sorry. I'm calling an audible. I'm, we're going we're to get to it. So keep that. Keep that. Keep where you are. But Pat, he has done great things for me. I, oh, y'all doing that now? Oh, I didn't see it. Bless his name. Well, y'all go for it then. Go for it then. Bless his name. Bless his name. God bless you. Listen, let's go. Let's pray and then we'll get right into that. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bless your name. We thank you for who you are and for what you have done. Only you, God, could have done these awesome things in our lives. And for that, we give you praise. Lord, come into this house. Fill this blessed sanctuary with your presence. We pray, oh God, that you minister now to our hearts, to our spirits, and to our souls. Speak, oh God, for we stand in the need of a word from you. We pray now that as you enter into this place, God, that our hearts would be open, that our ears would be open, that our spirits would be receptive to what you have to say, oh God, 
Lift up the broken. Mend our broken hearts. Lift up the bowed down heads. Dry the tear-stained eyes, O God. In the name of Jesus. Do a marvelous and miraculous work right now. O God, we need your power. We need your presence. And Lord, we don't take either for granted. For we know it is by your grace and by your mercy that we are yet here. And so we say thank you. We say glory. We magnify your holy name. Bless us this day. Do it exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think or imagine according to the power that's working right now. Work your power right now. Work your will right now. Work your word right now. Work it, God, in Jesus' name. And for his sake we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Here we go, y'all. Has he done great things, y'all?
Today's our Father out here today. Our scripture this morning come from the book of Judges, the 16th chapter, verses 28 through 30. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only just once, O God, that I may be once avenged of the Philistine for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, and the one with his right hand, and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistine. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the Lord, and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew in his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Father God, we come this morning with thanksgiving in our heart. Father God, we want to thank you first of all, Father God, for your grace and your mercy, oh Heavenly Father, which you kept us. Father God, we thank you, oh Heavenly Father, for being good to us, Father God. Oh Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father God, for watching over us last night. And early this morning, Father God, with your finger love, you church our body, letting our eyes come open and see this day. Father God, I just pray that you just go with us throughout this day, oh Heavenly Father. Oh Heavenly Father, I pray that you stay on our mind, oh Heavenly Father. Father God, I pray that you bless the word, oh Heavenly Father, which you preaching on brain today, oh Heavenly Father, that it might lift, oh Heavenly Father, somebody that are lost, oh Heavenly Father. Father God, we pray this morning, oh Heavenly Father, for the bereaved, Father God. Oh Heavenly Father, just touch them, oh Heavenly Father. Lift their burdens, oh Heavenly Father. Father God, bless the sick this morning, oh Heavenly Father. And then and then those, oh Heavenly Father, don't know you're in a part of your sin, Father God. I just ask right now that you just touch them, oh Heavenly Father. Change their life around, Father God, that they'll work for you, oh Heavenly Father. Oh, Heavenly Father, these are the blessings. Your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let the church say amen. Amen. I feel the spirit already in this place. Amen. 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 Yeah, I, I'm sorry, Pat. I threw you off. That Listen, that, that song was just in my spirit. Had no idea it was already queued up. So the spirit is moving already. Amen. 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 Listen, we want to uh, recognize some uh, special guests who are visiting with us this morning. I understand Sister uh, Nora Davenport Lawson is with us this morning. Are you, where are you, Sister Lawson? There she is. God bless you. Go ahead and wave to us. God bless you. Good to see you, Sister Lawson. Listen, since since the pandemic, we have we have gained friends and 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 people all over the United States. This is one who has really just been connecting with us, uh, lives over in Alabama, and I promise you she's on every Bible study, she's on every uh, online service, and she's blessing the church. Amen. So it's good to have you with us on this morning. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. She's visiting with family. She's also, y'all, the great great grand daughter of Isham Cade. Isham Cade. Y'all, y'all know who Isham Cade is, right? Amen. God bless you. And so we thank God. Who else is here? I, I see a whole row of people and I only have your name. So let me, let me have this whole row because y'all look like y'all are with her. Won't you go ahead and stand? Let me, let me see who, who, who all do we have. Can, can we hear who, who's with us? Yeah. They're with us too. God bless you. Welcome to K Chapel. So glad to have you with us on this morning. God bless you. We thank you for your presence. Thank you so much for connecting with us and being such a great 
inspiration uh, to, to us here in the ministry. We have some other guests with us. My family is here with us. And listen, they're on every Bible study. They're on every worship service as well. They're all the way here from, uh, from Indiana, some from Illinois. I want my family to stand. They're celebrating my mom's birthday with us. All of my family, won't you stand and let us recognize you as well. Good to see family. Family is here, y'all. Yeah, that, he all right. He glad to be in the house of prayer. Amen. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. Good to see you all. My brother and sister-in-law, God bless you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Brother Merritt, Leroy Merritt, I understand he's here as well. Brother Merritt works with JPS. Where are you, Brother Merritt? Are you here? Brother Merritt, good to see you. God bless you. Good to have you in the service as well. We thank God for your presence as well. And to anyone else who is visiting with us, we thank you that you have selected this day to worship with us here at K Chapel. We count it an honor, a joy, and a privilege that you worship and connect uh, with the brothers and sisters here at K Chapel. We pray uh, that if you're looking for a church home, that you've just found that home and that that is sealed in your heart. And so that before the uh, benediction is given, that if the Lord so places it upon your heart, that you would join with this fellowship called K Chapel. Amen. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. Just a few announcements. We want to let you know uh, that our, uh, well, let, let's just say it like this. The General Missionary Baptist State Convention will be meeting Je July 17 through 21. And there are several things that I need to bring to your attention. First of all, your pastor is going to be inaugurated as president on July 17. Your pastor. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that event is free and open to the public. You don't need to register. You don't need to buy a ticket. You don't need to do anything but show up. And I have been assured that if you come in and say you're a K-Chapel member, they got a special seat for you. Amen. And so listen, let me just say I would love for every member of K-Chapel to be there with me. I'm asking you to be there with me. This is the first. This is the first uh, annual session where where I will serve as president. It is the uh, beginning of the session, the inauguration, and I would just be overjoyed if every K Chapel member here and watching, uh, if you would come out and celebrate that day with us at the Thayamara Hall in downtown Jackson. Uh, one of our own, uh, Bishop Claude Alexander, who's from Jackson, uh, who now pastors in Charlotte, North Carolina, will be the guest speaker. So you know it's going to be a good word. Amen. And so we invite, we want everybody to come in and pack that house out. It's going to be a great time. That would be a blessing to me uh, to see each of you, to see all of you. Uh, there and celebrating that with us. Uh, also, we want to let you know that the Young People's Department will be meeting during that week as well. They're going to be meeting at the Tougaloo College campus. Uh, just uh, almost 80% of that campus is going to be reserved for our young people. And so uh, we want our youth department, but as well as all youth departments throughout the state uh, to be registered with us. Go online. All that you need should be online uh, that you might register for the session. And then finally, on Thursday night, we will conclude the, the session with the Freedom and Light Gala. That gala is a ticketed event, so you will need to purchase a ticket uh, to participate in that. It is at the Civil Rights Museum uh, in downtown Jackson, the, the two two Mississippi museums uh, in downtown Jackson, and that is a ticketed event. Again, if you'll go to gmbsc.org, uh, you can get tickets for that event if you so choose uh, to celebrate that with us. What I am asking that you celebrate with us is the inauguration. That's what I'm asking that you, that you celebrate with us. And that is free and open to the public. Amen.
Amen. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. Are there are further announcements coming now. Good morning, K Chapel. Uh, before I give you the announcements, I just want to say Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. Yeah. I also want to take this opportunity to wish Happy Birthday to Brother Charles Irving, one of our deacons. Right. <clears throat> so now I'm about to get in trouble. Um, Christmas. My wife and I normally share cooking responsibilities. She cooked a few dishes, I cooked a few dishes, and it works out perfectly. There was one Christmas, however, where she was scheduled to work in the emergency room. And being the thoughtful, kind husband that I am, what I said to her is that it doesn't really make sense for you to spend all morning and afternoon cooking and then have to go to work. You won't get a chance to enjoy Christmas. I got dinner this year, and it was good. I ain't bragging, I'm just telling the truth, it was good. Too good, because the next Christmas when I said to my wife, we need to make our grocery list so we can get groceries for Christmas, what are you cooking? She said... I thought you were doing dinner again this year. I don't know how long ago that was, but I know my kids were in middle school and my son has now finished college and working in Memphis. And every year since then, I have been responsible for Christmas dinner. You see, church, I found myself locked into expectations that went beyond my intent. Now, why am I sharing that with you? In July, we're going to celebrate pastor's anniversary. Last year, I came before the church and I asked you every member to contribute $50 to his anniversary. Come to think of it, year before last, I asked every member for $50 for pastor's anniversary. Truth be told, the year after that, I asked every member for $50 for pastor's anniversary. I've been on this committee for five years, and for five years I've asked you for $50 for pastor's anniversary. I've been a member of this church for 12 years, and for 12 years we have asked members for $50 for pastor's anniversary. He's been pastor for 15 years, and for 15 years we've given him $50 for pastor's anniversary. Reverend Horace, I'm not going to ask you, but I'm quite sure for the last few years of your tenure here, we gave $50 for pastor's anniversary. I'm suggesting, church, that we have been locked into expectations that go beyond our intent. I can't say that for certain because I can't find a member here who remember when it was not $50 or the reason why it changed. This year, we want to do something special. This year, we want to honor 15 years. This year, we want to honor excellent leadership. This year, we want to honor the fact and acknowledge the fact that this man now leads two organizations, a church and a Baptist convention, and not one Sunday or one day have you felt neglected. This year, I am asking you to invoke the words of Isaiah, not Isaiah, but in the book of Isaiah, where God said, I will do a new thing. So this year, we are asking you for a new thing. There are envelopes in the back of every pew. If you don't do an envelope, you need electronic. If you don't do it this Sunday, do it next Sunday. If you don't do it the Sunday after that, do it the Sunday after that. You got time. But this year, we are doing a new thing and asking every member to contribute $75 to the pastor's anniversary. In acknowledgement of his 15 years of service, in acknowledgement of his excellent leadership. 
Now, there is something else I've said to you for five years, and I want to say that again. Those who can, I don't know your financial situation. I do know what the economy is like. So this year, we're asking every member for $75, and we are stipulating those who can. If you can't, we love you still. If you can't, we appreciate your efforts. If you can't, we appreciate whatever you put in the offering. Those who can, $75. Those who can't, whatever the Lord and your, your, your bank say you can do. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. Good morning, K Chapel. I guess you all know what time that it is. It is giving time. And we're going to ask that you, as you give, please do so liberally. We ask that you... Those that are viewing by way of live stream, there's a number on the screen where you can uh, send your offering or you can stop by and drop it off here at the church. We ask that you give again and give liberally. Thank you. This was our first song, y'all. <laughs> she pastor pulled off. Come on, put your hands together in here. We're going to give it glory today. The devil going to learn today. Here we go. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, our God. Now, excellent is your name.
you for the offering that were raised this morning. Father God, bless those that gave. Bless those that had desire to give up and gave. These and all the blessings, Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are members that are in need of your prayers as we continue in the ministry of one another. We ask during this week that you remember, care for, and pray for these members. The Edwards family is asking for your continued prayers. Also, we ask that you stay in prayer for the Clerk family. Sister Aga Duvall is asking for prayer for recovery for her family. Her son-in-law, Danny, Collins is in the hospital in Virginia. Her daughter-in-law, Tawana Duvall, is in the hospital in Texas. All this as they continue to walk through their time of bereavement. Sister Mary Burks lost her cousin, Brother Larry Key. The funeral for Brother Key was held on yesterday in Kansas City, Kansas. Sister Burks is also asking for prayers for traveling grace. We have those that are continuing to recover at home. Sister Milan Smith, Brother Walter Cheatham, Brother Levi McBride, Brother, Brother Sammy Henderson, Mother Cora Montgomery, Brother Al Levy, and Brother Benny Larry. And I see this morning that we have Reverend Michael Jones is here in service with us this morning. Amen. And as I always say, pray when you can visit where you can, and each day, thank God that you can. Amen. Good morning, church family. Um, my name is Madison Duvall, and I'm going to be giving the Father's Day tribute speech. I'm actually very glad that I get to be able to do this speech, because in addition to honoring all the fathers here and online, I also, for just a minute, get to talk about my own dad. You all might know him as Brother Duvall, Deacon Driscoll, Dr. Driscoll Duvall, but to me, he's my dad. I've never met anyone as loving, understanding, so ready to talk to people and give a prayer, hardworking, warm, and cool as my dad. He's my inspiration, my twin, and so before I get started, I just wanted to take a moment, take a moment and let him know that I'm so thankful to be able to call you my dad. Now, if you can all remember, Pastor Buckley preached on Mother's Day about other mothers by showing us that Rufus's mother poured into Paul and helped shape him into the disciple that he became to be. I want to also add on to his sermon and say that in addition to other mothers, there are also other fathers out there. While Paul was being poured into, he also poured himself out into being a spiritual father for Timothy and Titus under his ministry and continued to lead them in doing God's will with confidence. Growing up in this church for 17 years, I've seen lots of Pauls. Fathers and father figures, you show up in our lives as stepfathers, uncles, grandfathers, coaches, teachers, mentors, Sunday school teachers, Boy Scout leaders, spiritual fathers, and male role models. You take us under your wing. You, help, you lead us in Sunday school and Boy Scouts. 
You capture so many special moments of our lives. You cook for us. You correct us when we misbehave. You coach us. You scream at the TV watching the Super Bowl with us. You keep us safe. You give us courage to stand up for ourselves, to respect one another. You teach us how to pray. You also teach us that in life, things may not work out like we want, but it's going to be okay. Billy Graham, a renowned American evangelist, once said, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. Fathers, I want you to know that we do see you, and we commend you on this day. Thank you so much for being loving and leaders, caring and courageous, protectors and providers, guardians and guides. Thank you for continuing to inspire us, and thank you for your tough love even though we might not understand it sometimes. Thank you so much for getting us ready for things we cannot see ahead of us. Your hard work doesn't go unnoticed. Before I close, I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to recognize the Father of us all, our Heavenly Father. He is the true definition of what a one-of-a-kind Father is. Before we were even thought of here on earth, He knew us by name, nourishes us, loves us, and cares for us. With His unfailing kindness, patience, burning compassion, and divine guidance. He knows everything about us, and yet he still loves and shows us where to go because as a father, he knows what's best for us. He sacrificed his one and only son so that his love can be shared to us all. And for that, he deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. So to our heavenly father, all the fathers, the new fathers, father figures, and the fathers that are now watching us in heaven, thank you for everything that you do and have done and the impact that you have had on us all. Happy Father's Day. This Father's Day goes out to you. Happy Father's Day. Happy Juneteenth. And thank you so much. My God. <laughs> Wow. 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 What a blessing. What a blessing. I give the benediction. Bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. Driscoll, I know you are proud. You and Kanisha are proud. And certainly so are we. Wonderful job, Madison. God bless you. And thank you for those words. Uh, it could not have been expressed any better by anyone else, including me. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, let us uh, fellowship one of our new members in, Dr. Helen Hamilton. Dr. Hamilton, are you here? Dr. Hamilton, won't you come? Won't you come? God bless you. God bless you. We need a member of the new members uh, orientation, one of our deacons, uh, representative from our mothers, representative from our deaconess. If you'll join us now for this moment of right fist bump of fellowship. Amen. God bless you. Come on right here. God bless you.
of my life. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Who, who do I have to be afraid of? The Lord is the strength. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thee. Wait on the Lord. My God, my God, my God, my God. My God, my God. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. How encouraging. The Lord is my light. And my salvation. Amen. Amen. This morning I want to continue in a series that I opened a couple of weeks ago entitled The Church Got Something to Say. Judges chapter 16 verse 28. You will find these words recorded. Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me and pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, the one with his right hand and the other with his left. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines, and he bowed himself with all his might. The house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The church got something to say about biblical manhood and toxic masculinity. Biblical manhood and toxic masculinity. On this Father's Day, as we celebrate fathers and those men who have been given the awesome and blessed privilege of fatherhood, I want to offer a word for fathers, but more so for men in general, and share from the thought of biblical manhood and toxic masculinity, because we live in times when it is critical to get an understanding of biblical manhood. Our society is replete with definitions and images of what it means to be a man. And left to our own imaginations, we are doomed to fulfill God's expectations for biblical manhood. So go with me, if you will, to Sunday, March 27 of this year. It was a night 
when anticipated history met unexpected tragedy on a global stage. Before a live audience and a television viewership of over 16 million people, two of America's most celebrated black actors and entertainers gave to the world an unforgettable moment of emotional intrigue and physical injury gathered on a night that was sure to go down in history as a night when the 94th Academy Awards would be directed by Will Packer, the first African-American to ever do so. Not only would Packer direct it, but he would go on to employ an all-black production team to produce the 94th Oscars. This historic night, though, now has the dubious distinction of being known as the night of the slap heard around the world. When Will Smith, in a moment that has been described as everything from a husband nobly defending the honor of his wife to a man childlessly acting on emotional impulse and betting on personal privilege, took to the Dolby Theater stage and physically assaulted Chris Rock. It was a moment of surprise that initially was thought to be part of the act. But after Smith returned to his seat and yells back to Rock, keep my wife's name out of your mouth. He didn't say it quite like that. It was quickly understood this was an unscripted moment of unhinged masculinity. The next few days and weeks, there would be analyses and responses from the entertainment world and from mental health professionals weighing in on how a usually mild-mannered Smith could become so enraged to assault an equally mild-mannered rock. Wherever you land in on that debate and however you sympathize with either side, it should be clear that on that night, if we saw nothing else, we saw the effects of toxic masculinity. I'm not going to go too deep in analyzing this because I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a professional licensed counselor or a sociologist. Neither am I a human behavioralist. But as a preacher of the gospel and as a student of the word of God, we saw in Tinseltown that which is not unlike what we see in the scriptures in the town called Timnath. Timnath, when you read chapters 13 through 16 of the book of Judges, Timnath is where this story gets to, but it's not where this story begins. Samson goes down, the Bible says, in chapter 14 to Timnath and sees a woman of the Philistines there. But before we examine the toxic masculinity to which Samson succumbs, please understand that he was a man of God. 
Samson was born to godly parents. He had a mother and a father who brought him up under the strict religious code of the Nazarites. An angel of the Lord visits his mother and pulls her aside and says to her who it had been barren for years that she would finally bring a son into the world. Angel comes and tells this woman who is the wife of Manoah, and that name is an interesting name when you deconstruct it, that she would bear a son. And the angel gives Manoah, Manoah, Manoah gives Manoah specific instructions saying, now drink no wine nor strong drink, don't eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. That's how Samson comes into the world. A Nazarite who would be a child of God, a man of God from the womb until his death. That's, that's how he's born. To godly parents. He has a godly mother. He is to be a vessel of the Lord. He has a godly father. He grows up with both mom and dad in place. A mother and father who worshiped Jehovah God. A mother and father who offered sacrifices unto the Lord. A mother and father who followed the commandments of God. And they brought Samson up to do the same. So Samson was not from a broken home. His father was not absent. His father was there. I'm going somewhere. Samson's daddy looked him in the eyes every day. Samson's father was in the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. He 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 knew the Lord. In fact, in fact, in fact, in fact, when when his wife tells him that that they would conceive a child, Manoah prays to the Lord and says to the Lord, Lord, that angel that you sent to my wife, I need you to send that angel to come talk to me. Since I'm the man of the house, I, I, I don't mind you telling my wife, but, but can you have that same conversation with me so that, that as the man I can get some understanding on this thing and God sends the angel to Manoah. The wife sees him first and says, Husband, honey, the, the angel is back here. Let, come and talk to him. And, and he comes and has this conversation with this angel. And the angel says to this father to be, listen, I know what I told your wife, but I'll tell you the same thing. Y'all are about to be parents. And Manoah asked this question. Look at what Manoah does. He starts praying. And he says, Lord, teach me. In fact, in fact, the very words are this. Let these words come to pass. How shall we order the child and how shall we do unto him? In other words, this father-to-be says, if I'm going to be a good daddy, you got to show me how. If I'm going to be a good father, you're going to have to direct me. If I'm going to bring this boy up in the admonition of the Lord, you're going to have to show me how to bring him up. Help me be a good father. That was Manoah's prayer before he became a daddy. A prayer for guidance. Father, show me 
how to raise my son. Teach me what to teach my son. Give me what I need to be a father to this son because left to myself, I don't have what it takes. So Samson does not come from a broken home. Mom and dad are in place. Both parents are present and praying parents. Chapter 13 in saying in verse 24, And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. Yes, this child has a good start. But along the way, pal, something happened to Samson. With all of his upbringing, with all of their godly parenting, something happened to Samson. With all of the prayers of his parents, with all of their religious observations, all of the code keeping of the Nazareths, Nazarites, something happened to Samson. And the reason you know something happens to Samson is because of how chapter 14 develops. It opens saying that Samson went down to Timnath. And in Timnath, he sees a woman of the Pharisees. Y'all help me preach this if you can. Samson is struck. By this woman. So much so that Samson goes to his father and his mother and says, Mama, Daddy, I found a woman. And all I need y'all to do is go get her for me. He says, I, Daddy, I found this woman and I, I need her. I got to have this woman. Go and get her to be my wife. And these parents tried to convince their son that that woman was not good for him. Wish I had a witness in here. They said to him, you, you don't have to go out and find a wife among the Philistines. They are not God's people. You, you really want a wife not from the Philistines. You want a wife who, who knows your God, a wife who, who came from what you come from. You, you need a wife who went to Sunday school. You need a wife who came up in the church. You need a wife who knows something about BTU. You need a wife who will pray with you. You need a wife who understands the word of God. Can't you marry somebody who at least shares your values? Someone who understands your ethics? Can't you make a life with someone who understands who you are and where you're going? Samson says, Daddy, I hear you. But do you see what I'm looking at? I gotta have her. And so they go down to Timnath. Samson, his father, and his mother to get this woman for their son. But here's how you know that something had already happened to Samson. Because while on the journey, Samson kills a lion with his bare hands. But if you look at verse 6, it says, But he told not his father and mother what he had done. Stay with me. 
after 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 they leave Timothy, they're coming back uh, to to their hometown, and and Samson sees the carcass of the lion that he had killed earlier in the week, and he goes and investigates and sees that bees have set up a hive in that carcass, and there's honey there. He scoops into the carcass of the lion and gets some of the honey, and then catches up with his parents and gives them some of the honey. And the text says right after that, and he did not tell his mother and father what he had done. There's a pattern developing here where Samson is doing stuff and keeping it, I wish I had a witness in this house, from mama and daddy. Because understand, for Samson to touch the carcass of a lion was breaking the code of the Nazarite. For a Nazarite was not to touch anything that was dead. So he touches what is dead, but makes sure he doesn't tell mama and daddy, well, I wish I had a witness in this house. Listen, I need to tell somebody this morning, some child this morning, great falls don't just happen suddenly, they happen gradually. A little bit of lying here. A little bit of obfuscation there. A little bit of covering the truth here. A little bit of not being where you're supposed to be there. A great fall doesn't happen suddenly, but over time when you keep this from them and keep that from them and you develop a pattern of lying by not disclosing. Something happened to Samson. Before he falls for this woman. And so my brothers and sisters, I need us to see three things and I'll be through. If when you tiptoe in Timnath, somewhere you have no business being, gradually you will find yourself far from who you're supposed to be. Yeah, when you tiptoe in Timnath, you will gradually take on immoral media and hang out with questionable people and normalize godless behavior when you tiptoe in Timnath. Samson has developed an art for obfuscation and playing at the periphery with the Philistines, which causes him to tiptoe in Timnath. And we begin to see in Timnath Toxic masculinity develop. Here it is, three things and I'm gone. The first thing we see from Samson is a skewed perspective of womanhood. It's there, verse 14, verse 3, the chap- chapter 14, verse 3, when Samson says to his daddy, get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Stay right there. That, 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 that ought to be enough right there to make you say, wait a minute. Get her for me, for she pleases me well. My God, my God. Here, here is what toxic masculinity looks like. When the existence of a woman is seen as being for the pleasure of a man. I'm going to hurt some of y'all this morning, I see. I ain't going to have much help. When, when, when you have determined that the role and the reason and the responsibility of a woman is only to please a man, that is toxic masculinity. Because with that perspective, you demoralize the God image of woman. 
And we live in a society where culture has created an image of woman as a sex object. Sisters, sisters, let me talk to the sisters for just a minute. Because you bear some responsibility in this. Don't stop saying amen now. You, you bear some responsibility in this because what you say, how you look, what you wear helps to skew the perspective of womanhood. See how quiet it got? Can't nobody tell me what to wear. I wear what I want to wear. You can't call yourself a queen. Want to be treated like a queen. But dress, talk, act, look like. It's going to get tight in here this morning. Just buckle up. I'm a queen. Act like one. Dress like one. Speak like one. Watch this. And talk to your sisters like one. When did it become popular for black women to call other black women bees? But you a queen. skewed perspective of womanhood we have a skewed perspective of womanhood and when you have a, a skewed perspective of womanhood you operate from the perspective that a woman is an object meant to fulfill the pleasures of a man and when your reality of being a man is at the expense of a woman you suffer from toxic masculinity. In other words, if your masculinity can only be expressed by you exploiting a woman, your masculinity is toxic. If your manhood can only be fulfilled by you downgrading or desecrating or denying the flourishing of a woman, you suffer from the effects of toxic masculinity. If your masculinity can only be asserted by oppressing a woman, you suffer from toxic masculinity. You should not have to put down a woman in order for you to feel like a man. You should not have to abuse a woman in order for you to feel like a man. You should never have to disparage a woman in order for you to feel like a man. Something's wrong with your masculinity if it depends on damaging a woman. Can I push this a little bit further? Because this goes deeper than our thoughts and our words and our actions into in our personal relationships, but this goes into our public policies in corporations and businesses and industries across this nation when manhood is defined and protected by keeping women down professionally there's toxicity in that kind of masculinity I can't get no help in here a real man does not need to keep a woman down financially in order for him to be a man 
When your manhood is defined by the oppression, the subjugation, the desecration of a woman. When your manhood is defined by a woman making less money than you make. When your manhood is defined by you not having a boss other than a man and you can't work for a woman. When your manhood... When your manhood keeps you from having a female doctor, when your manhood makes you clam up and can't say amen when a female preacher is preaching, when your manhood is something wrong with your manhood. It's toxic and we have to do something about that. Our manhood cannot be based on bringing or keeping women down. That's toxic masculinity. Samson saw this woman as someone who would please him. And we know this objectification of women is real for Samson because in chapter 16, the words are that he went down to Gaza And there he saw a harlot or a prostitute and went into her. Samson was messed up. He had already decided that women were just for his pleasure. Visual lust, sexual desire defined Samson's relationship with women. But there's something else about Samson we need to see. And that is his unhealthy relationship with anger throughout these few chapters in the book of Judges that chronicle for us the story of Samson, we find that this brother Samson has fits of anger that turn into rage. My brothers and sisters, there is something dangerous about a man who has an unhealthy relationship with anger. Because hear me, being angry is normal. But being angry all the time is toxic being angry is normal but being angry all the time wake up man go to sleep man drink your coffee man eat your breakfast man driving to work talk to me Corley just man mad, mad about this, come home mad, watch TV mad something wrong if you're mad all the time we see this anger of Samson's turning the rage in chapter 14 when he goes and kills 30 men all because of a riddle or a joke that didn't go his way Oh, it's in the Bible. It was a riddle that he gave, and 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 the men learned the answer to the riddle, which meant it didn't go in his favor. And when it didn't go the way he thought it would, he acted <sighs> in rage. My brothers and my sisters, I would dare say that on that stage of the Academy Awards that night. We saw unhealthy anger turn into rage. And again, I'm not going to psychoanalyze it. That has happened far too much in pop media. If you want to, you can read for yourself 
In Will Smith's autobiography where he talks about his own anger growing up and seeing his mother physically abused and not being able to defend her. But none of that is an excuse for letting anger turn into rage. For had he not been Will Smith, he would have been another black man arrested and assaulted for battery, for assault and battery. Had he not been Will Smith, he would have been handcuffed, maybe even tased, if he had not been Will Smith. And I only bring this up because what we see in the streets of Jackson and all across this country are young black males who do not know how to deal with anger that turns into rage. They don't know how to be angry and sin not. They don't know how to be angry and keep their cool. They don't know how to be angry and stay quiet. They don't know how to be angry and walk away. They don't know how to be angry and hold their tongue because nobody has taught them that it's okay to be a man and not have to fight. Toxic masculinity says that if you are a man, then men handle their business right then and right there. Toxic masculinity says that I'm more of a man than you are and if necessary, I'll destroy you at any cost. Toxic masculinity acts on impulse rather than responding as a man of God who knows what it means to feel like you want to fight but knows that there's nothing good that's going to come out of it. You can fight, but you know that in the end, nobody's going to win ready to fight but knows that on this stage and at this level that it's better to actually and literally turn the other cheek. Ultimately, it's that man who believes that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Even though it hurts, that man knows I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know that the world tells us that men don't let other men disrespect you. But can I just weigh in for a moment and thank God for the Chris Rocks of the world? Can, can, can we just celebrate the Chris Rocks of the world? I'm talking about men who get angry, men who understand anger, and men who have their anger in check. Because what you probably don't know is that when Chris Rock was in high school, junior high school and high school, that as a teenager, he helped to integrate predominantly white high school. And as such, I'm sure Reverend Harrington, you know something about this. When you're integrating public white high schools, you easily become a target. And he was targeted, bullied, White boys and girls hurled the N-word at him, physically assaulted him, and no teachers or administrators came to his aid. Chris Rock got fed up with it and decided that one day he was going to pack his backpack with bricks. And when those children came at him, he was going to let them have it. And in fact, they came at him and called him this, that, and the other, and they got into a tussle, and Chris Rock got his backpack started swinging and started hitting everybody that he could and he got one boy and knocked him down and when he got that boy down he didn't stop swinging but he kept on 
because of the built up anger because of everything that he had been called and nobody did anything about it he kept on swinging and bludgeoning that boy until he almost died they took him to the hospital they didn't know if that boy would live and Chris Rock determined on that day that he needed to get his anger in check because he discovered what anger could actually do So walk back to March 27th when he slapped on that stage. Yeah, I'm sure as a man, a whole lot of anger came up in him. But greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. This stage is too big and this viewership is too much for me to act like a fool. No, we're going to settle this like men another time, another day, and another way. Hmm. I'm through. But I know that you probably subconsciously this whole time, I know I'm going to get to it subconsciously because somebody's already thinking and saying but Reverend you talked about Will you talked about Chris but what about Jada and I know when you map this story onto that night you probably see Jada in the seat of Delilah but I need to tell you, the woman we've been talking about in this text so far is not Delilah. No, no. Go back and read. Delilah doesn't enter this story until chapter 16. Which means that before Delilah even comes onto the scene, Samson's already got some issues Y'all ain't talking before Delilah even enters the story Samson's got some stuff going on that, that he needs to work out and Samson, Samson's got some unresolved issues that have been unresolved for too long and that's the last thing I want to leave you with about toxic masculinity is that you cannot move forward with unresolved issues come here Denzel Denzel, thank you for being there last the other night. Denzel said something to Will that night. But long before that night, when he was in the movie Fences, August Wilson's play, there's a character in that play by the name of Gabe. Gabe is Troy's brother. Gabe has mental illness. And one day Troy is talking to his brother and said, Gabe, how you doing? What you been doing? And Troy and Gabe answers, he said, I've been chasing hellhounds and waiting on St. Peter to open the gates. Need to tell somebody, my brothers and sisters, the reality is that a whole lot of us are chasing hellhounds. Sometimes these hellhounds chase after us. Sometimes we chase after them. Say what you will, but there are strong men in our churches 
on college campuses, strong men, men in fraternities and lodges, strong men in our civic groups and recreational clubs who are chasing their own emotional hellhounds. Hellhounds that wreak havoc in our personal lives. What do you mean when you say hellhounds, preacher? I'm talking about the stuff that happened to you that has never been resolved. And it's a hellhound. The stuff that somebody said about you that lives in you right now at this very moment, it's a hellhound. I'm talking about the loss that you've never really gotten over or the violence that you witnessed that causes stress in your life right now. It's an emotional hellhound. I'm talking about the hellhounds that won't leave you alone. Hellhounds that rob you of your peace. Hellhounds that steal your joy. Hellhounds that won't let you grow into the fullness of the potential of the man or the woman or the husband or the father that you've been called to be. The hellhounds that hold you back in your relationship because you can't trust anybody because the woman hurt your heart. Hellhounds. Hellhounds that keep a vice grip lock on your development due to the fact that you won't take a chance because somebody you believed in never believed in you. It's a hellhound. We got hellhounds chasing us. Hellhounds that we chase, but thanks be to God that for every devil's hellhound, there's God's guardian angel looking over us angels watching over us angels standing beside us all night all day angels keep watch over me oh yes I got some demons out there but all night all day angels walk beside me all night all day angels keep watch over me all night and all day Uh, I'm through but my soul is happy this would be a tragic end if it ended right here but I hear Samson praying with his eyes gouged out Lord remember me yeah I tiptoed in Timnath But Lord, remember me. I have some unresolved issues in my life. But Lord, remember me. I got some things I need to work out. But Lord, remember me. I need to be a better man. So God, remember me. I want to be a better father. So Lord, remember me. And the record is that the Lord heard Samson's prayer even though he was bound and even though he was blind God heard the prayer of a blind man God heard the prayer of a broken man God heard the prayer of a bound man and when he heard the prayer of Samson the record is that Samson got his strength back. That's something to celebrate y'all because Delilah thought that when she cut his hair that his strength was gone but they found out that the strength was not in the hair but the strength was in the Lord the strength was not in his hair 
but his strength was in his God. Is there anybody in here today that can testify? My strength comes from the Lord. My strength comes from my Father. My strength. Tell him it ain't in the hair. 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 It's in. I'm so glad that angels keep watch over us. participate. Somebody came here today because you knew that you were not in the right place with the Lord. And it's time for you to get it together. And here at K Chapel, we have three ways that you can actually become a part of this congregation. 
is by letter, meaning that you've come from another city or another place and you brought your letter saying that you were in good standings. It's a, can a candidate for baptism. That means that you believe that it is now time for you to surrender to the Lord and that you're ready to go in the water, which just means that you're going to go down in the water and come back up a new person. And we know that some people have to come under watch care. But we know, Lord, that you're going to watch over us anyway. So if there's anyone that's in here now that would like to join, and if there's anyone listening online, you should see a number right now. And we're going to ask you to call that number. But if you would like to be a part of Cade Chapel, we're going to ask that you come forward. And we have our representative, our new members committee over here to our left. You just walk up and we will accept you as a part of the Cade Chapel family. Is there anyone today? the pastor has declared that we are an open family and we believe in prayer and so we're going to ask our ministers if they would come down to our right and you know these are hard times things are not going the way that we know that they ought to go anytime we're paying the gas prices that we're praying when grocery is going up like it is and we know we got all kinds of issues. But you don't have to leave here with anything on your heart this morning. If you would like to have individual prayer, please come down right now. And one of our ministers will pray with you. All you have to do is just whisper in their ear like, what it is that you want them to pray with for. And they will be happy to pray with you at this time. Now, don't be ashamed. This is family. This is family time. And if you got something, one of them kids that's bothering you, something that's happening in your house that you need somebody to pray, come down right now and let us share with you. If you got a surgery that's coming up and you want us to pray over you and lay hands on you, come on down right now and let us talk to the Lord with you. He watching over me. to thank our ministers uh, for coming down and uh, there you, you know social justice and social responsibility minister I, I would be remiss in my duties and of course I asked pastor if I could do it but do you all know that we have 3,000 visitors coming to Jackson today for the National Baptist Convention Congress 
They will be checking in in hotels all over Jackson, and they will be with us for five days. They will be right here in our city. Now, there is a schedule out on the National Baptist Convention, USA Incorporated, that you can look at all of the activities. There, were, there are night meetings that will be at the convention center. Now, if there's anybody like me that like really good gospel at 9 o'clock at night, there's late night service at the Hilton Hotel. Our young people are meeting at the trademark, trademark, out on the fairground area, and they will be meeting every day. Now, if you don't want to go down, if you don't want to be a part of it, please pray. Pray for our young people. Pray for our adults who are coming in. Pray for all the classes that the Congress will be doing, giving. Also, on Saturday night, those of you that really are good supporters of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, NAACP, the Jackson Branch will have its annual banquet. There are still tickets available if you would like to go to that banquet. Our own pastor will be introducing our national president. President Derek Johnson will be the guest speaker at the Masonic Temple at 6 o'clock on Saturday night. So Jackson, we are on the move. We have a lot of things going on and it is our responsibility as Christians to either be a part of it or pray for it. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All hearts and minds are clear. We're standing for the benediction. Again, let me thank my, my, my family. My brother is here. My sister-in-law. Thank God for you all. My niece. Uh, my uncles and aunts, God bless you. Thank God for my, my godmother is here. Amen. I'm just blessed to have all y'all in the service. My nephews, amen. God bless you. Good to see all of you. Of course. Oh, and my niece over here. Amen. Harris's daughter, uh, Miranda, is here. God bless you. Y'all didn't recognize her. That's Harris's big girl over there. Firstborn, amen, amen. Yeah, that's Miranda. That's a, huh? What'd you say? Yeah, yeah. I said my, yeah, my uncles and aunts. Amen. God bless you. I'm sorry, I just needed to do that because I'm happy to see my family, y'all, all right? <laughs> Amen. God bless you, God bless you. All hearts and minds are clear. And now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Go in peace.